0: Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading.
1: Okay, 2 Timothy chapter 4 from the New King James Version, the Apostle Paul writing to his spiritual son Timothy. And he starts off in chapter 4 saying, I charge you, therefore. Well, therefore, we'll give you a hint that we need to go back at least a couple of verses. Let's go back to chapter 3, verse 16, where Paul said, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, or the English Standard Version says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for doctrine or teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. In other words, the man of God or the woman of God, we need doctrine or teaching. We need reproof, somebody to bring us verbal correction. We need correction. We need changes in our lives through leadership and through the Word of God. And we need instruction in righteousness, instruction in living as righteous people before the Lord. Why? So that through the Word of God, through those things, we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So he says, because all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and brings these things, including the equipping of people for every good work. Verse uh, verse 1 of chapter 4, ready? I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom, preach the word. Oh, this is so important and so powerful. He says, Timothy, because God's inspired words were breathed out of his heart. It's unlike any other book in the world. This is God's book. Now, I'm not saying that other books can't take God's scriptures and elaborate on them and teach on them, but he's saying, but it won't be like this book. It'll be, yes, beneficial and certainly like preaching and teaching and writing, but this book, (laughs) it has been inspired by the Lord himself. And so these words are what people need to hear and teaching from these words. And so he says, because these words are so powerful, they're God-breathed, and they help equip us and such. He said, I charge you, therefore, Timothy, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, Preach the word. Because these words are more powerful than your words or my words or anybody else's words, I charge you, Timothy, before God and the Lord Jesus who will judge you and everybody else, I charge you to preach the word. Oh, I tell you, this sunk deep into me many years ago. And the Lord taught me, preach the word. Don't just look for scriptures to support what you want to say to people. No. Your job is to preach and teach the word of God, which by the way, this is part of why the BFAM training center exists to help people who are called to teach the word, to learn to study the word properly and to teach it properly. But notice again, he says this, he says, I charge you preach the word of God. Now notice he didn't say preach about the word of God. Notice he didn't say preach from the word of God. And notice he didn't say preach a message and use the word of God to support it. No, the word of God is the message. These are the messages that God gave us. Preach these, Timothy. Take God's words, his messages, and proclaim them. Preach them. So notice it says preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Be ready to preach the word anytime. Good times, bad times, in season, out of season. And notice he goes on to say, convince. In other words, don't just share it as an opinion. It's just one way of looking at it. No, God's word is not just one way of looking at it. It's the right way to see things. Convince people of that. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. So yes, preach it, proclaim it, but also teach it. So convince people, and when necessary, bring rebuke to people. He's not saying get in people's face and have attitude. He's just saying that the Word of God will bring correction. The Word of God will set things in order. But he said it will also exhort. He said use the Word of God to exhort, to encourage people, with all long-suffering patience, long-suffering and teaching. Explain it to them. Use the Word of God to explain to them, how things function, how things work. Verse three, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, talking about people in the body of Christ, talking about people you're trying to preach to and teach to and teach. They will not endure sound doctrine or sound teaching, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Now think about this. A moment, he says, according to their own desires. In other words, they don't just want to hear teaching of the word of God on any subject. They have certain things that they want. And according to their desires, I want to hear somebody talk about this. Say they want to uh, have more money or they want uh, material blessing or they want uh, to have a spouse. And so I, I just want to hear about that. In other words, things that benefit them according to their own desires, he says, because they have itching ears. They will heap up for themselves, teachers. Now, isn't this an interesting uh, phrase? Heap up for themselves, teachers. Heap up for themselves, teachers. Well, boy, I've never seen a day like today where this is happening where people can just, according to their own desires, they can just go to this podcast and that podcast. They can go to this YouTube uh, channel and that YouTube channel, and they can just decide, I like this, I don't like that. So they're in, in other words, they don't have to eat healthy food from the Scriptures, healthy spiritual food. They eat what they want. They eat what tastes good. And so what they like, what they're interested in, and they pick and choose And they heap up for themselves. They customize it for themselves. They don't have to sit under a pastor who's going to walk them line upon line through the Word of God, step by step, topic to topic, building the foundations of the truth in their hearts. No, they don't have to do that. They can just pick and choose. Boy, I've never seen a day where that happens more than today. More than today. And notice Paul predicted by prophecy, by the Holy Spirit, the time will come when this will happen. Folks, I believe we're here today. Heap up for themselves, teachers. They won't endure a sound doctrine. Goes on to say, verse 4, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Oh, people can even start with a scripture reference and refer to the Bible and not really be teaching what the Bible's trying to say. But they're teaching a good principle and what will help people in their life and what they want to hear. We have to be careful as teachers and preachers too, that we're not just teaching what people want to hear, but we're teaching the truth of what the Holy Spirit is saying through the word of God. And he says in the the last days that the time will come when they'll turn their ears away from hearing the truth to fables, verse five, but you, Timothy, but you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. What does that mean? But you be watchful, pay attention to this, be watchful and endure afflictions. What does this mean? It's saying, you don't be like that. You don't play into what people want to hear, what will bring them back to church, so to speak. No, you give them sound doctrine. You teach the word of God to them. And he goes on to say, you be watchful, endure afflictions. In other words, there are going to be afflictions that come, especially when you're doing it right. The enemy's going to stir people up. It's not what they really want to hear. They don't want to know everything that God is saying. They just want to know what benefits them. Their itching ears, their desires. And he goes on to say, endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Now, this is very interesting. He's talking to Timothy, which really is playing a role of pastoring the church there at Ephesus, But he says, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So it gives us the impression that even as a pastor, you can do the work of an evangelist. But it gives us the impression that maybe this is more of Timothy's grace, the evangelistic grace, and yet God has called him to pastor this church at Ephesus. And so Paul says, hey, while you're pastoring, do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Well, I believe that's a word for all of us. God is saying, fulfill your ministry. Lord, help us to fulfill each of us our own ministries that you've given us. Verse 6, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. Now, what is Paul talking about? Well, here in Second Timothy, this is not just the young apostle Paul that was, you know, uh, in Acts chapter 7, who had the clothes laid at his feet while people were stoning Stephen. No, this is Paul the aged. This is Paul toward the end of his life. This is within the last uh, years of his life, the last few years of his life before he was martyred. And he says this, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. What's a drink offering? Well, you can just imagine... Uh, back in the Old Testament, they would have drink offerings, and so they would take and they would pour out something of liquid before the Lord, wine or whatever. And sometimes the liquid would flavor the meat, and sometimes it's be poured out as a drink offering before the Lord. Think about how we pour out from a bottle, and we you know turn a bottle upside down. You hear bloom, 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 bloom. you hear the noise, the sound going up. And uh, the higher it goes, the closer you are to the end. Paul is literally telling us, Timothy, I'm, my life is being poured out like a drink offering right now before the Lord. I can literally hear and sense I'm coming to the end of my life. Now, why is he telling Timothy that? He's saying, Timothy, you have to take over. You have to do these things. You have to endure afflictions. You have to do the work of an evangelist. You have to fulfill your ministry. Why? Because I'm not going to be able to continue. I'm going to end up being with the Lord here very soon. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. Oh, friends, you can imagine how how difficult this is for Paul, knowing that he wants the whole world to be saved, and he's given it all he, he had. But he's in prison. And he's coming toward the end of his life, and he's reaching out to Timothy, saying, Timothy, fulfill your ministry. He does the same thing to all the Ephesians in the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter. And he says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. And he's asking all the Ephesians, come on, everybody, take the baton through the bars, as it were, of prison. Take the baton and you guys run with it because my life is coming to an end very shortly. You can hear, hear the emotion, feel the passion in, in Paul's voice here. Verse six, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. Departure to heaven. Verse seven, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, capital D, in the New King James, the day of the the Lord, the second coming of Jesus. And not to me only, but also to all who who have loved his appearing. May we all love his appearing. So notice he said, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He really is at the end. We don't know exactly how close. But he really feels like, I've I've done it. I've finished my race. I've kept the faith. Well, what is that? Throughout your life, the pressure from this world's philosophies, from the world's philosophies and from the demonic activity, the pressure is to get us to depart somehow from the faith and to not be saved. But Paul said, I've kept it. I've kept faith in God's word. I've kept faith in the truth of the gospel. I've fought the good fight to keep this faith and to do the will of God in my life. I finished the race. Oh, may we all come to that. May we all uh, fight the good fight, finish the race, and may we all be able to say, I kept the faith. I kept my faith in Jesus, my purity before the Lord to honor him and to serve him and to finish out our lives. And so he says, because of that, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord Jesus, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only me, but all who have loved his appearing. Verse nine, be diligent to come to me quickly. Now he gets very practical. Timothy, be diligent to come to me quickly, even though you're pastoring in Ephesus. Hey, come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Notice, he is naming names, and he's saying, just what I told you, that people will get distracted. He said, Demas has been distracted, and he left me. He left me here by myself, so to speak, and he departed for the Uh, He has loved the things of this present world. Now, Demas may disagree with him, but we know from Paul writing by the Holy Spirit that this is accurate, that this is from the Spirit of God. He says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Cretans has departed for Galatia, giving us the impression Cretans has done the same thing. Titus for Dalmatia. Now, Whether Titus has done this or not, out of having loved the things of this precious uh, present world, we don't know. Because we also know that Titus, uh, he wrote to to, uh, oversee the island of Crete, which we'll get to really in the next book. And so, Titus for Dalmatia, only Luke is with me. So, in other words, everybody else left the Apostle Paul, and so Paul is saying, Timothy, come be with me. I need your presence. I need your support. Boy, folks, we've got to stay together. We're not islands to ourselves. We're meant to support one another. And so he's calling on Timothy to come. He says, get Mark and bring him with you for he is useful to me for ministry. I love this because Mark was the dispute that Barnabas and Saul uh, split over and went two different directions in the book of Acts. There was over Barnabas's nephew, I believe, certainly his relative, that Barnabas wanted to stay with Mark and let him go. But Paul said, no, he bailed out last time on the last missionary journey. We're not taking him. And so anyway, the division, the contention became so sharp that Paul chose Silas and went one direction and Barnabas took Mark or John Mark and went another direction. But now here, these years later, Paul says, get Mark. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he's useful to me for the ministry. Isn't that precious? That Mark has somehow come back into the favor of the Apostle Paul. He's useful to me uh, for the ministry. And Tychicus, I have sent to Ephesus. Bring the cloak that I left in Carpus. I love this. These are just very practical things that may not mean a lot, but it just gives us a little insight as to how things would function Back in those days, it says, Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, bring the books, especially the
0: parchments.
1: (laughs) Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. Boy, I tell you, you can see how the Apostle Paul would speak, how we would pray. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You'd think that the Apostle Paul would say, may it not be charged against him, as uh, it happens in other parts of Scripture. But here he says, may the Lord repay him according to his works. So we know this is by the Holy Spirit. And so this is not just emotion and flesh, but the Holy Spirit is guiding Paul to say these words. Verse 15, you also must beware of him for he has greatly resisted our words. So here's somebody that has not just made a mistake, not just sort of fallen into criticism for a time, but he is really intentionally and uh, persistently resisting the preaching of the Apostle Paul. He has greatly resisted our words. At my first defense, he goes on to say, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. See, Paul said, it's wrong. Man, I I was going before the Roman court, so to speak. He said, nobody stood with me. Nobody stood. All forsook me. All forsook me. May it not be charged against them. And then uh, verse 17. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Oh, see his heart for the Gentiles. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. So Paul is talking very... Heart, heartfelt and practically here is saying, look, when I was going before courts and being accused and such, nobody was with me, but the Lord stood with me. Isn't that precious? He knew that the Lord was right there with him. The presence of Jesus was right there standing with him while he was going through these persecutions. And he says, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work. Now, earlier we saw in the last chapter that uh, Paul said and out of all these persecutions the Lord delivered me but now he says and the Lord will deliver me and the Lord will deliver me now of course he ended up as we can tell being martyred and so uh, Jesus never promised him that he, any of us that we would not be persecuted that we would not be martyred but Paul is believing God and praying that he'll be delivered, and he's declaring his faith, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. I tell you, this is a man of faith right here, and this is the way we need to be. Now, I want to hit this in verse 19. This is also practical, but it's an important point. It says, Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Anasiphorus. And let me just stop right there. Prisca and Aquila, this is the famous couple, married couple, Aquila and Priscilla. But notice here, and I believe in the Greek text, uh, when he addresses Aquila and Priscilla, that if I'm not mistaken, it was three out of the four times that he addressed them or, or spoke of them that he put Priscilla's name first. Here, it's even a little more endearing because it's sort of, it's Prisca, it's sort of like calling Rebecca Becky. So it's more endearing. It's a a closer relationship. But once again, he puts her first. Greet Prisca and Aquila seems to me and to many others that it's because Priscilla had the primary ministry in the Aquila and Priscilla team, that she was the primary orator, the primary teacher of the Word of God. So, Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onosiphorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth, but Trophimus I left in Miletus sick. Do your utmost to come before winter. Now, why is that? Well, it's not like modern days where you have, you know, a better uh, comfort technology innovation that protects you from the weather when you're traveling. So it's not like today. Uh, Do your utmost to come before winter. Eubelus greets you, as well as Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brethren. The Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. I love this. The Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Be with your spirit. See, it's really your spirit as opposed to your body and your soul that's born again. Our spirits get born again when we make Jesus Lord. But Our minds have to be renewed over time, and our bodies will be changed at the end of the age. And so he says, the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Praise God. Talking about the born again spirit. Well, I've enjoyed this little precious book. Lord, we pray that you'd work these things out in us. Help us to preach the word of God, teach the word of God. Help us to run this race and fulfill it. Fight the good fight. Finish our course in Jesus' name. Help us to be diligent to do these things that you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.